Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening. And enjoy the show. Today's episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark is brought to you by Simply Safe, the home security company that believes nothing should come between you and protecting your home, and by Care of, a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. I'll be back after tonight's first story to tell you a little more of my own experience with Simply Safe, and after the second to tell you a bit more about Care of, and how you, as a listener, can get 25% off your first month of personalized Care of vitamins. Until then, take a moment to double bolt your doors, double check your windows, and check beneath your bed. You never know who or what else might be tuning in along with you tonight. <laughs> Stay tuned. This show is about to begin. <laughs> Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in. Turn off the lights, if you dare. 
Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 6. I'm your host, Otis Jiry. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing five stories for you about vicious visions, interdimensional oddities, otherworldly infants, dastardly demons, and intrusions into your imagination. You're listening to the Standard Edition of tonight's program, if you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. And thank you for your support. It's time to get started, so lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. <laughs> Our first tale of terror this evening from Cat-Shaped Void is entitled White Noise. I noticed it almost immediately. The phenomenon began one day while I was still an undergrad in college. My alarm went off and I grudgingly let it ring for a few seconds before ending it, yanking the covers off my body and pulling myself out of bed. I'd only gotten a few hours sleep, my muscles were stiff, as I shivered in the morning cold and my footfalls were heavy as I made my way to the bathroom. That's when my brain registered something odd. It was the sound. The sound of my lumbering footsteps across the carpet of my second-story apartment. The annoying whines of the aging floor I was so used to hearing every morning. It was off by just a beat as if there was a lag in the deliverance of the noise, short enough for me to almost dismiss it, and long enough so that I didn't. When I made it to the bathroom, I did my business and flushed the toilet. Again, the sound of the rushing water came maybe a half-second after the water in the bowl had started swirling. The same occurred with the sink faucet. Am I that tired? I mumbled to myself through a mouthful of frothy toothpaste. I suddenly lurched back. What the hell? I thought, staring at the frightened, wide-eyed version of myself in the mirror. It happened to my voice. There was a haunting delay in it, too, like listening to the sound of your echo come back to you after shouting off the top of a mountain, or like an eerie vocalization mimicking your words in the exact same voice. My words were late, and they didn't feel like my own. Quickly, I rinsed my mouth and struggled to wash the worry from my face. Surely, it's just a case of morning jitters. I was just tired from the lack of sleep and was registering everything late. Yeah, that seemed to be the most reasonable explanation. I got dressed and ready as fast as I could, trying my damnedest to ignore the plethora of jarring noises that were occurring at just the wrong moments. Closing the closet, zipping my backpack, locking the door, all of them off, just by a beat. And I couldn't fucking ignore it. 
When I was outside heading to my car, I decided to measure how long the delay was. In one hand, I had my phone with the stopwatch application on screen. In the other, my car remote. I pressed the button to unlock my car the same time I started the timer. I stopped it once I heard the sound of the beep-beep of my vehicle and saw that the noise was off by 0.53 seconds. I did the same thing when I shut my car doors, inserted the keys into the ignition and listened for the engine roar. The times averaged 0.5 seconds. I rolled down the windows as I sat in my car. I wondered about how other noises I usually ignored on a daily basis that I was paying attention to now. Were the birds chirping overhead singing light too? What about the man using the leaf blower on the sidewalk or the car that just drove by? Are all the noises being delayed? Or is it just me? I racked my brain for answers and came to the conclusion that this physically cannot be possible. Then I wondered what would happen if I was isolated in an area completely devoid of sound and I made a noise. What then would I hear in that half second before my own voice reaches my eardrums? Nothing, right? I should hear nothing. This is some... If a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound kind of shit? I thought to myself and decided to test out my earlier thought. At that rate, I was okay with being late to lecture. So I rolled up my car windows and sat in silence inside my car. Hello? I mouthed at nothing. Car crash. I faintly heard my voice under the alarming screech of rubber tires suddenly grating against pavement. I looked to the intersection beside the parking lot just in time to see a minivan coming in full speed connect with the side of a sedan. I covered my mouth with my hand before I could let out a small, holy shit. The impact had thrown the driver of the minivan out of his seat and through the windshield, where his mangled body lay in strewn across the asphalt, along with car debris and glass shards. Drivers from the surrounding vehicles alongside, witnessing pedestrians, rushed to the wounded too. Half attended to the body of the man that was still limp on the ground, while the other half frantically pried at the crumpled car door of the sedan. The other person was crushed underneath, and I couldn't tell if he or she was still alive. Sirens. I turned my head in the direction of the ambulances and police cars that were approaching in the near distance. Half a second later, I noticed faces in my peripheral vision do the same when the sirens flooded the air around us. Dread coagulated in the middle of my throat, and I struggled to swallow it down. After that moment, confirmed by many others that followed, I realized it wasn't my brain that was processing noise slower than other people. Now, that simply wasn't the case. For some reason, on some supernatural happenstance, the speed of sound had just become slower for me, a lag in its velocity by just a beat, and in those 0.5 seconds of delay, there was a new voice in my head. After the first time it spoke, it never left, whispering things that shouldn't have been known, telling me everything that was going to be heard. I never adjusted to it. It was a 
perverted rape of my consciousness that haunted me like a curse in the following years. I knew my sister had miscarried before the doctor announced it. I knew my brother-in-law had killed himself before we heard the gunshot. I knew my fiancé was inside another woman before she even moaned. So, when I was finally driven mad, mad enough to the point where scissors were pressed against the entrance of my ear, and I was ready to drive the blades through into my brain, the voice whispered something different. It wasn't an announcement nor a narration. It was a command. Live. The next thing I remembered was waking up in the hospital with bandages covering the entirety of my head. I remembered looking up and seeing a nurse that was tending to my IV. I asked her what had happened, but I never heard my voice come out. She mouthed something at me. I can't hear anything. I tried to say, and she looked at me with a wide brown eyes filled with pity. She saw the pen and paper that was placed on the tray beside me, and she wrote something down. I looked at the message, and I was overcome with complete and utter joy. I had succeeded. The dreadful voice, the disgusting curse, the intruder in my consciousness was no more. I'm finally free, I thought to myself, feeling warm, wet tears streamed down my face. I'll never hear it again. The nurse stared at me with a frightened, confused expression as my body convulsed from uncontrollable laughter. Scream! The voice spoke through her lips. Just a beat before I drove the pen into her throat. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I hope you enjoyed White Noise by Cat Shaped Void. After that tale, I don't think I'll ever look at the voices in my own head the same way again. Who knows? They might not even be mine. And that indeed is a scary thought. Up next, we've got a tale from author Devin Hoover about someone's nightly excursions into a world they would prefer to stop visiting, but aren't uh, sure how. But first... I'd like to tell you a bit more about one of tonight's sponsors, Simply Safe. Now, we all put off things we know we need to do. For me, it's finishing that movie screenplay I started in 1995. Whatever it is we're putting off, 
We mean to do it, but unfortunately something always seems to get in the way. And you know what? Home security's like that too. It's one of those things we think about on occasion, but try not to. Break-ins are something that happens to other people, right? Nobody wants to imagine that it could be them involved in the type of horror stories you hear on my show. And even though we suspect we're not immune, we continue to put it off because it's, well, it's an uncomfortable subject. Not only that, but there's a misconception that protecting our homes has to be complicated, or worse, expensive. So, even if it's a good idea, we're always imagining something to hold us back. Well, tonight, with the help of Simply Safe, you may just change your mind about all of that. Now is the time to act and protect your home with Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe believes nothing should come between you and protecting your home, so whatever reasons you've got for not securing your home, they've gotten rid of them. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. With Simply Safe, there's no contract ever. They're so confident you'll love their product that they don't have to force you into some ridiculous agreement. If you secure your home with them, it will be because you want to. Worried about what a home security system costs these days, or inconvenient installation appointments that won't work with your busy schedule? Well, with Simply Safe, you don't have to be concerned about any of that because. First of all, there's no price markups from any middleman. Secondly, there's no installation windows. Who has time for that nonsense? Most importantly, their system is engineered to do one thing brilliantly. Protect. It's right in the name. The system is designed to keep you safe. Simply. And the best part of all? It's portable. If you move, pack up your system and take it with you and it can be reinstalled in moments at your new place. The system's got it all. If a storm hits and takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. If an intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. But Otis, you might ask, what if someone breaks in and destroys my keypad or siren? Well, in that case, Simply Safe will still get you the help you need. Maybe it's overkill. Maybe home security is the last thing you want to think about when you're making so many other changes and resolutions in the new year. But with Simply Safe, you're always ready for anything. So get a jump on protecting your home at simplysafe.com/told. No time like the present, right? That's simplysafe.com/told to protect your home and family today. With Simply Safe. SimplySafe.com slash told. Be sure to use that URL so that they know Otis Jiry sent you. Nothing would make this old storyteller rest easier than to know that each and every one of my listeners is a whole lot safer. Up next, we've got another terrifying tale for you. So turn down those lights low and get cozy. We've got more frightening tales coming right up. Our second story today comes to us courtesy of author Devin Hoover and is entitled, I Hope I Never Dream Again. 
Dreams are supposed to be a magical place. A place where we can escape from our everyday lives, where our imagination can run free. I've often heard my friends complain that they don't dream enough, or that their dreams are too dull, but not me. Ever since I was young, I've had dreams very frequently, and I used to enjoy them. However, nowadays my dreams are a bit different. I'll start at the beginning, because where else would I start? I've always had quite a mundane life, living in a small town with next to nothing to do. Friends weren't exactly my strong suit growing up, so I relied on my imagination for my own entertainment, although I think this is quite a common thing for most kids to do anyway. As I said, I would dream very frequently, almost every night, if not every other night. Nothing ever stood out from these dreams, though. In fact, most would be forgotten by the time I crawled my way to breakfast. Unfortunately, these forgettable dreams couldn't last forever. I'm currently 22 years old, and the new dreams began about two years ago. It was a night like any other. Nothing abnormal happened during the day. I was simply ready to go to sleep, and so I did. Once I did, I found myself in a world of gray. It wasn't necessarily dark, just bland. There were gray houses, gray streets, gray grass. Essentially an atypical neighborhood, but everything was a shade of gray. Looking around, I saw almost nothing of note until I spotted a woman sitting on a bench a woman I did not recognize. From what I've read, the brain does not simply invent faces. We can only dream of what we've seen. So, perhaps this woman was someone I had walked by in a crowd once, or seen in the background of a TV show. Someone I had seen just long enough to conjure their face in my dream. The woman looked to be in her mid-thirties with long gray hair, small gray eyes, gray lips, and her clothes were... Well, you guessed it. Gray. She had typical soccer mom look, if that is, soccer moms had no color to them. She stood there completely still, like she was simply a prop to this world. Then, after a long stare down, she began to raise her right arm. She began to point at something. The direction she was pointing was close to me, but not directly at me. As I began to turn around to look at what she was pointing at, I... I was ripped from my dream. I found myself lying in my bed on my side. My heart was beating incredibly fast, yet I had no clue why. Thoughts were racing through my mind. Who was that woman? What was she pointing at? My mind was moving so fast it took me a few moments to realize I couldn't move. I was completely frozen, laying on my side with my head facing the wall. That's when I heard my bedroom door open. My eyes were wide open, but I was not in a position to, that I could see who was at the door. My mind began to rationalize the situation. It must have been my younger sister. Perhaps she had a nightmare and she had come to my room for comfort. I began to hear footsteps approaching my bed. The closer they got, the more I thought how heavy those footsteps were for a small child to have. But despite my suspicions, I could not move. The only thing I could do was wait as my eyes were glued to the wall 
just out of sight of my intruder. Eventually, the footsteps stopped at the foot of my bed. The next sound would be the creaking of the springs in my mattress as someone began to slowly crawl onto my bed. I could feel the mattress begin to sink where my feet lay. In my position, this person was completely unseen by me, and they continued to climb until they were directly behind me. I began to feel light breaths down my neck, yet I could still not move. This went on for what seemed like hours. Then the breathing stopped, as I felt a cold hand go across my midsection of my back. This was finally enough. I regained control of my body as I flipped over and let out a monstrous scream. Yet there was no one there. Nor was there any sign anyone had ever been there. No impressions had been left on my bed. And my door was still shut like it always was when I went to sleep. There was nothing. Most people probably have probably decided that what I experienced was sleep paralysis, and I agree. I've done extensive research on sleep paralysis since that day, and it matches up almost perfectly to what I experienced. However, there was one problem. The spot on my back where the cold hand touched me now holds a scar. It's a small line that stretches horizontally across the mid of my back. Before that night, I had no wound there nor any previous scarring on my back. As much as I wished, it was just a terrible case of sleep paralysis. Even then, I knew it had to be something more. Life returned to normal for a short while. After this, I no longer dreamed at all, which did not bother me. I did begin to sleep with my bathroom light on for an extra light, as I could no longer stand to be in a room that was too dark to see. I also began sleeping on my back, so even if I was experiencing sleep paralysis, I would have a clear view of my whole room. After about a month, I had almost convinced myself that I was delusional. I even chalked up the scarring to something that I must have missed at some point. Perhaps it always had been there. That was until the second dream came. Once again, I found myself in a gray world. It was much the same as the last time, this time an almost empty street and, of course, with no collar. Only now it was not a woman that stood in front of me, instead of it was a man. The man was older, probably in his seventies, if not older, but once again it was a face I could not recognize. The previous woman had no expression. In fact, the only part of her that even moved was her arm when she began to point. This man, however, was wearing a smirk, as if he knew something that I did not, but other than this, he too was completely motionless. I guessed what would happen next, and sure enough, the man began to raise his arm. Only, he did not begin to point anywhere in my direction. Instead, he extended his arm all the way to his shoulder and extended his thumb as if to say, behind me. Despite what happened last time, I was too curious to not attempt to see what he was pointing at. I began moving towards the man. I placed my right hand on the man to push him aside, and as I did, I found myself again in bed. This time, I realized instantly that I could not move. 
My eyes darted towards my door, anticipating another visit like last time. Only it did not come. Instead, I noticed a shadow on the edge of my bathroom wall, reflecting off the light that I'd left on. The shadow seemed to have been waiting for me to notice, because once I did, it began to raise a hand and held it there, uh, almost as if it was giving a still wave. After a few seconds, it put down its hand, and it slowly began to inch its way across the wall, stretching into my room. What did it run? scream or do anything to get away from this shadow, but I couldn't. My body refused to move as this shadow slowly crept along the wall towards me. After a few agonizing moments, the shadow finally reached the wall next to me, and it paused as if to study me. Then after a few seconds, it overtook me. The moment it happened, I once again regained control of my body, and once again I let out a scream that could terrify anyone. My whole body felt like it was on fire. It was a much more intense sensation than the cold touch I had felt last time. It only lasted a few seconds, however, and as I looked down at myself, I noticed I was fine, covered in sweat and possibly some other body fluids, but otherwise fine. This is except for the new scar that adorned my right hand, the same hand that I had touched the old man with. At this point, I was more confused than ever. The dreams had come from nowhere, along with the living nightmares. The gray world obviously had to have some connection to what was happening to me. Each dream, the figure had pointed somewhere, and each time I attempted to look, I was brought back to reality. Or at least I think it was reality. I want to believe it's just a combination of odd dreams and sleep paralysis, but the scars... Staring back at me make me question everything. It took almost an entire year for the next dream to come, and in between I had no other dreams. Of course, when it came, where else would I be but the gray world? This time I was inside a house, an empty and colorless house. I began to move from room to room until I spotted it, a child sitting on the floor. I say it because this child was essentially androgynous. I could not tell whether it was a boy or a girl. They were around eight years old, I'd say, with mid-length gray hair and no facial characteristics that would imply a gender. The child sat upon the floor coloring. Well, if you consider a gray crayon drawing on a gray piece of paper, coloring, that is. Without even looking up, the child began to raise its arm that didn't have the crayon and began to point to the side. I won't look, I said. This caused the child to stop drawing and look up at me. But you have to look, it said. Why? Every time I do, I wake up to something terrible, I responded. If you don't look, you'll get angry, the child said, ignoring my question. Who is he? I beckoned. The child let out a sigh before saying, Just hurry and look, you're running out of time. After everything I had experienced, I had no reason to trust what the child was saying. So instead of looking, I instead closed my eyes and I began trying to will myself back to reality. And after a few seconds, it worked. I found myself back in my bed, this time I was fully capable of moving. Nothing came for me that night, no mysterious figure, 
climbing into my bed, no shadows approaching me. Had I beaten the Grey World? Was it just that simple as to not trust the people there? That brings it back to current day. Over a year later, I'd like to think that this is all over, that I'll never have to see the Grey World again. But my normal dreams have not returned. In fact, I haven't dreamt a single time since my last night in the Grey World. I still have so many questions. Who were those people? What were they pointing at that they wanted me to look so bad? But, most importantly, who is the child referring to? Could this possibly be the person or entity that is responsible for what has been happening to me? I'm not sure. If I never dream again, I would be satisfied, but I fear that won't be the case. I'm terrified that one day the Grey World will return, but I'm even more terrified of what I'll find when I wake up. Will he be waiting for me? The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I hope you enjoyed I Hope You Never Dream Again by author Devin Hoover. Our next story, a 45-minute epic of horror proportions from author Ken Lewis, will leave you double-checking every birthmark and mole on your body. Imagine, as odd as it sounds, what would you do if you found a hole to another dimension in your arm? Before we begin, however, I'd like to tell you a bit more about Care Of, 
the monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. It's 2019, and with the new year, many of us have new health goals, too. It's one of the most popular types of resolutions, after all. Some of us, well, want to get more exercise, lose a few pounds, others want to get healthier, and uh, more organic. This year, whatever your resolutions are, I'd like to invite you to make health and wellness a top priority with the help of Care-of's monthly subscription vitamin service. Whether you're focused on glowing skin, boosting your energy levels, getting more sleep, or generally being healthy, Care-of can help you build a vitamin routine that's made just for you and your health goals. With Care-of, it's easy to stick to your health-related resolutions and do something good for your health in 2019. Care-of believes that getting your vitamins shouldn't just be easy, however. They believe it should also be convenient. So, with their service, it's both. It can be really hard to know what vitamins or supplements you should be taking, but Care-of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest. Not only that, but they deliver daily vitamin and supplement packs customized to your recommendations to promote personal health and wellness. Your personalized care of subscription box gets sent right to your door every month with personalized daily packs that are great for a busy on-the-go lifestyle. As for me, well, besides narrating these tales of terror, I'm a career woodworker. With so much time devoted to recording and handcrafting, it's tough to find the time to get to the supplement store, and harder yet to properly research the vitamins that are right for me. It's a good thing Care-of is here to help. So, how do they make it easy? Well, the very first thing you'll do when you sign up with Care-of is take their online quiz, which will help you determine exactly what you need. Just answer a few short Fun questions about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices. And in just five minutes, you'll find out your personal, scientifically-backed vitamin and supplementary recommendations from a company that's devoted their lives to making yours better. They even donate a portion of every sale toward the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. Look, it's an unfortunate fact that 90% of people fall short of the FDA-recommended guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient. But not to worry. With Care-of's unique online quiz, you'll discover where you're lacking and get back on track to reaching your health goals. I had the opportunity to sign up and take the Care-of quiz this past week myself, and the first thing I noticed was how much effort went into making it quick, painless, and pleasant to look at. I chose a handful of topics I was interested in and told them about how much experience I had with vitamins and based on just a handful of questions, they recommended some really great supplements to me, some of which I had never even heard of. And the best part? Well, they had research about the vitamins right on screen, ready to help me decide if they were right for me. And they never forced anything on me, even after the recommendations. I could decide to remove something if that's what I wanted, and the prices were so reasonable, too. The quiz results were spot on. In fact, 
They recommended some things I was already taking. Usually, I'm a bit cautious about a company knowing too much about me, but Care-of asked just enough without coming on too strong, and it was obvious everything was designed to help me know myself better in just a few minutes. When my first packs arrived in the mail, they had my own name on them, and they're designed to make the experience of taking your vitamins joyful, not a chore. I don't know, there's something about getting my vitamins in a personalized paper pouch that seems a whole lot more pleasant than taking them out of a sterile plastic box every day. And with the individual pouches, I avoid one of the worst things about pills, having to go through them every week and sort them. After taking the vitamins for just a couple of weeks, I can already feel a difference, and I've got research at my fingertips to assure me that I've made a great choice. And care of has made all of that a whole lot easier. Thanks to them, I've got one less thing to worry about. So, experience the care of difference today. Besides all the great things I've mentioned already, they've got vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match everyone's dietary needs. They've also got delicious nutrient-packed quick stick powders that can be added to your monthly delivery for an extra easy boost whenever you need it. And since we're part of a tech-savvy generation, don't forget the Care of app, which makes it simple to track your progress. Not only that, but you earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins. My plastic pill box never did that before. <laughs> As a listener of this program, you can get 25% off your first month of personalized Care of Vitamins. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter TOLD. That's TakeCareOf.com with the promo code TOLD, spelled T-O-L-D, to get 25% off your first month of personalized vitamins and let them know you heard about them on this show. Now, without further ado, grab your safety blanket and hold on tight. Most of mankind may be deficient in essential vitamins and minerals, but there's one thing you can be sure of I've got plenty of. That's bone-chilling tales of terror. And your next personalized dose of darkness starts now. <laughs> Our third tale of terror tonight is entitled The Wormhole by author Ken Lewis. Part 1 I stared at the odd hole that had appeared in my arm overnight. It was located on the inside of my forearm just before the bend of my elbow. I'm positive it wasn't there when I went to bed last night. How can I be so sure? Easy. Because there used to be a mole where the hole is. It's like the mole collapsed in on itself and became a hole. I couldn't tell how deep the hole was. All I could see was the rim of skin around it, and then blackness. There was nothing else. No blood, no tissue, nothing but an endless black void. I probed it with my fingers and expected it to be sore, but it didn't hurt at all. If you saw how deep it was, you'd think my entire arm would be in pain. The hole was the same shape as the mole it replaced, and was about as wide as a pencil. There wasn't any blood that I could find on my clothes or sheets. Whatever made it did so without breaking any blood vessels. 
Since I wasn't in any pain and the hole didn't look inflamed or infected, I was going to wait and see if it would close down on its own. And once I decided that, I jumped in the shower. As I washed my arm, I noticed something that alarmed me a bit. All of the water that flowed into the hole never filled it up. It's not possible, right? It would eventually fill with water, right? It didn't, though. That unnerved me more than I cared to admit, so I finished washing and quickly got out of the shower. After seeing the amount of liquid that poured into my arm, I couldn't stand to look at the hole any longer. I covered it with a small bandage, then got dressed and ready to go to school. Before I did that, though, I gave my forearm a little shake to see if I could feel any water sloshing around inside it. I couldn't. I did my best to ignore the hole and was doing pretty good until lunch. When I ate my sandwich, my arm started to feel wet. I glanced down and noticed a small stream of water flowing out from beneath the bandage. I quickly ripped the bandage off and couldn't believe my eyes. Water was streaming out of the hole. I used the tip of my finger to plug the hole and get the water to stop flowing. It worked, but only as long as I kept my finger pressed to it. Since I didn't know how to get it to stop, I walked into the bathroom and held my arm over the sink and just let the water flow down the drain. After a few minutes, the water eventually slowed to a trickle and then stopped altogether. I returned to my table and sat down. After I glanced around to make sure no one was watching me, I grabbed a straw from my drink cup and placed it over the hole in my arm. I then started to slowly push it into the hole. I wanted to see just how deep it really was. I got it about halfway in my arm, which should have been impossible. The tip should have started poking out the bottom of my arm, but it didn't. What happened next scared the shit out of me. I went to pull the straw back out, but it was tugged out of my grasp and into the hole where it disappeared. What the fuck? I thought as I jumped up and stared at my arm. This has to be some sort of fucked up magic trick. My mind couldn't think of anything else to explain what had just happened. It was that, or I was going crazy. As I sat there and wondered what I should do, a little metal cylinder slid out of the hole. I just watched as it popped out then fell onto the table. When it hit the tabletop, it came apart to reveal a rolled-up piece of paper nestled inside one of the hollow sections. I picked up the paper and unrolled it, which revealed the handwritten note on it. This is what was written on it. Hey, Colin, or however you choose to spell your name. I know you have a lot of questions about the hole in your arm. Unfortunately, I can't tell you much. What I can do is apologize for the inconvenience it's caused you, and will likely continue to cause you. We had a little problem with this experiment we were working on. We don't know what went wrong, but whatever happened caused this weird little wormhole to open in the mole on my arm that leads to the mole on your arm. Because of this hole, we are now connected across space and time. Now, I know that sounds like a plot to a really bad science fiction movie, but I really am you. I just live in another dimension. Don't worry, 
I'm doing everything I can to fix this mistake, and I'm confident I can close the wormhole. In the meantime, if you could, please sign your name to the bottom of this note and place it back into the wormhole so the next call-in gets the message. P.S. Please refrain from sending anything else to the wormhole. It can create some awkward situations. And also, keep it covered when you bathe. P.S.S. If something living comes through the hole, burn it. Or drop it in acid if you happen to have some available. I picked up my pen and glanced down the list to look at all the other columns that had signed before me. There must have been over 50 signatures on the sheet so far. Even though each of the columns that had signed came from a different dimension, the handwriting for each one was very similar. I signed my name to the bottom of the list and placed the sheet of paper back inside the cylinder. Then I picked it up and slid it into the wormhole. As I did so, I wondered how many columns the cylinder would it travel to before it made its way back to the first column, or back to me. Then I thought, what the fuck did he mean by something living? Part 2 Colin, the sound of my name being called out, pulled me from a restless slumber. I looked at the clock and groaned. It was just after 1 a.m., I sat up and rubbed my eyes. Gone. There it was again. It sounded deep and throaty, kind of like a frog. I stopped and peered around my dark bedroom. I thought I was dreaming when I heard it the first time. The second time, it clearly came from somewhere in my room. I reached over and turned on the lamp that sat at my nightstand. Gone. That time it sounded like it came from the closet. As I turned toward the closet doors, I happened to glance down at my arm. I stopped what I was doing when I noticed a small hole in the bandage I used to cover the wormhole. The opening was ringed with ragged little half-moon shapes and frayed pieces of fabric. It looked like someone had chewed its way out. Have you seen a leaf that has been eaten by a caterpillar? That is what the hole in the bandage looked like. Seeing the bandage reminded me of the note that had come through the wormhole a couple of days earlier. If something living comes through the hole, burn it. Colin? That didn't come from the closet. That sounded like it came from the bathroom. Whatever was calling my name seemed to be moving around. The bathroom is on the opposite side of the room from the closet. I stood up and walked to the center of my bedroom and waited for it to happen again. I figured I'd have better luck pinpointing it if I listened from a central location. When I got up off the bed, I clamped my hand over the hole. I didn't put much thought into the action. I just wanted to prevent anything else from coming through. While I waited for my name to be called again, I looked down at my hand. Then I imagined something biting its way through the bandage. My hand probably wasn't the best thing to plug the hole. I didn't want something to bite its way through my palm, so I removed my hand. I had no idea what had come through. I let my mind wander over the possibilities. What did it look like? How big was it? Was it venomous or worse? What if it was infectious or harbored parasites? I was starting to get worried. I'd seen enough movies to know alien creatures were never a good thing. 
I ripped the damaged bandage off my arm, then scanned my room for something I could use to cover the exposed wormhole. That was when I noticed all the spare change that sat on my dresser. I walked over and grabbed a quarter, then walked to my nightstand and grabbed the roll of duct tape I kept in the drawer. Colin. I didn't bother to try and pinpoint it, I just wanted to secure my arm first. I placed the quarter over the hole and wrapped my arm in a layer of tape. That should keep anything else from getting through for the time being. Unless it could chew through metal. I thought, shut up. I chided myself. I needed to focus on finding the thing that had come through. Worrying about what it was capable of wasn't going to help me at that moment. I tossed the tape on the bed and returned to the center of the room and waited. I didn't have to wait long. Colin. It definitely sounded like it was coming from the bathroom. I quickly walked in, turned on the light, and scanned the room, but saw nothing. This was really starting to annoy me. The sound was so loud and so clear. Why couldn't I find that thing that kept calling my name? I started to move my toiletries around. I opened the cabinet under the sink. I pulled the shower curtain to the side. I even got down on my hands and knees and peered beside the toilet. Couldn't find anything. I turned and walked. Well, started to walk out of the room. Colin. I nearly shit my pants. I am not kidding. It sounded like someone came up behind me, leaned over my shoulder, and yelled my name in my ear. I whirled around and gave one of those half-hearted karate swipes. I only struck the air. I then took a defensive stance and glanced to the left and right. That is when I noticed the strange-looking bug on my shoulder. If you ever have seen a cockroach, then you already have a good idea what this thing looked like. Imagine a standard cockroach, the ones that can fly, that has been stretched to twice its length. It also looked a little stockier than a normal roach. Instead of being brown, this bug was an off-white color, almost gray. The creepiest thing about it was that it was semi-translucent. I may have screamed as I flicked it off my shoulder and onto the floor, where it landed on its back. Once it righted itself, it shuffled its wings, cleaned its head with its front legs, and said, Colin. Holy shit, it's a talking bug. I thought to myself. Then I remembered the warning and shut the door to prevent it from escaping. The bug cocked its head to the side as it seemed to consider what to make of the giant standing before it. I guess it decided I wasn't a threat because it spread its wings and silently flew directly at my face. Okay, it might not have been coming right at my face, but it did start to fly. That put me on the defensive, so I used my karate chop to swat it out of the air. It was a good chop. I knocked it into the toilet. I walked over and flushed as the bug flailed around in the water. For a moment, I considered flushing the toilet, but again, I remembered the warning. I shut the lid of the toilet and ran back into the bedroom and grabbed the lighter out of my pants pocket. I then grabbed the empty soda can off my nightstand and returned to the bathroom. My plan was simple. I was going to put the bug inside the soda can and set it on fire. 
To get the bug into the can, I used an old razor I had on the sink. I held the can just above the water and used the razor to guide it into the opening. The bug didn't hesitate when it was given the choice to enter the can or drown. It crawled into the can. When I set the can on the counter, the thing said my name again. Colin. I could feel the can vibrate as the sound reverberated against the aluminum. I quickly shoved a bunch of toilet paper through the opening, with just enough sticking out so that I could light it on fire. And then I lit it. I could hear the bug run around the can as it frantically tried to avoid the flame. After a couple of minutes, the fire died down to a few embers of paper, and the bug stopped moving. I shook the can just to make sure it was dead. When I didn't make any noise, I dumped the contents of the can into the sink. The bug's legs were all curled up close to its charred body. I poked it with my finger. When it didn't move when I picked it up, and held it in my palm to get a better look at it. Definitely looked like some weird species of cockroach. As I examined it, I felt a soft pinch on the center of my palm. It wasn't dead. It bit me. I could see its head move ever so slightly. I dropped it into the sink and used the bottom of the can to pound at the pulp. When I picked its body up with a wad of toilet paper and shoved it back into the can, I burned it once again. Once the flames went out, I packed it with more toilet paper and burned it a third time. When I looked at the small welt growing where the bug bit me, I started to panic. I convinced myself I was going to die. I cleaned the wound as well as I could. I washed it, I poured alcohol on it, and then I put some antibiotic on it. By that time, I was feeling lightheaded and felt like I was going to pass out, so I crawled back into bed. Before I knew it, I fell asleep. I awoke around 8 a.m. and sat up quickly as I remembered the events of a few hours ago. I looked down at my hand. The welt was gone, and all that remained was a slight red area that was sore to the touch. I guess I wasn't going to die. I swung my feet out of bed and was going to take a shower when I heard a metallic tapping. I didn't know what to make of it until I realized it was coming from my arm. Something was banging against the coin I taped to my arm. I pulled the tape off and removed the coin. As soon as I did, a small metallic cylinder popped out of the wormhole. I picked it up, opened it, and unrolled the note that was inside. This is what was written on it. To the Colin who sent the bugs through the wormhole, you are a colossal dick. That was not funny. I know you did it intentionally. If those bugs lived in my universe, I totally would have done the same thing. To everyone else, be on the lookout for some long, thin cockroaches. They have the strange ability to mimic sounds by rubbing their wings together. This particular species seems to be able to mimic the sound of your name. I thought my fucking house was haunted. I hope this note finds you before the cockroaches do. Don't worry, they're harmless and relatively easy to kill with standard bug spray. Don't try and pick them up, though. They bite. P.S. Make sure you kill them all. They breed rapidly. That is just like me to pull something like that. I agree with the Colin who wrote the piece. I totally would have done the same thing if those bugs lived in my dimension. 
As I rolled up the message, I placed it back in the tube and sent it back to the wormhole, wondering just how rapidly the bugs bred. Got my answer when I heard my name calling out a dozen times from various locations around my room. It was just like the seagulls in Finding Nemo, only they were sink calling instead of mine. Fucking burning them. I caught them all and sent them back. Part 3 I slid the thick rubber trap back over the opening of the wormhole. I had to remove it to allow a message tube to come through. Once it was back in place, I read the note. At first, I thought it was another joke. The wormhole had become a source of amusement for quite a few columns. They liked to send random things through it, like the roaches, and wait to see how the other columns responded. That is why I thought, mm, yeah, right, when I read the first line of the note. When I finished reading it, that uh, thought was quickly replaced with, oh, shit. This is what was written on the note. We are being hunted. There was no greeting. This is how the note actually started. I've received a few messages asking if anyone else has had a strange man in a black suit hanging around. I've seen him. At first, I didn't know what to make of him. He didn't seem threatening. He would just stand off in the distance and watch me. That changed this morning when he tried to kill me. My advice to you is this. If you see him, kill him. If you cannot kill him, then run. The capitalized words were underlined three times. Do not wait for him to make the first move. You might not live to regret it. Given the number of queries that have come through, I think it was safe to assume that this is not a single man, but several men with the same appearance. Their arrival probably has something to do with what has happened to us. I think they may be drawn to the wormhole. If you have not seen a man in black yet, it's only a matter of time before one finds you. You need to prepare yourself. If you do not own a weapon, find one. If a man in black shows up in your dimension, his only goal is to kill you. Stay safe, and I'm sorry I caused this. Once you are done reading this, please pass it along. P.S. These assassins may look like men, but they are not. Don't be fooled by their professional appearance. When you look one in the face, you'll see it only looks human from a distance. This was the last line of the note. Great, I thought. As if things weren't bad enough with all the weird shit that kept popping out of the wormhole, I now had to worry about being stalked by some interdimensional serial killer. I spent the next couple of days constantly looking over my shoulder, searching for the boogeyman in black. Every guy I saw in a dark suit was a potential suspect. I'm sure I made more than one businessman uncomfortable with my scrutiny. There was only one guy who seemed to like the attention, but he was way too weird to be an alien. I considered buying a gun, but I couldn't afford one. Plus, I'm not sure I'd be able to shoot anyone, even if they were from another dimension or wherever. I opted to carry an old pocket knife instead. My father gave it to me when I was ten. The six-inch blade was dull and had several nicks, but it would still get the job done. Four days after I received the note, I started to let my guard down. I couldn't keep walking around in constant fear of a man that might never show up. 
The note was the first and only time I've heard about the men in black. Who knew how many Collins were connected? There could be millions of us, right? So, the way I figured it, the chances of a man in black showing up in my dimensions were about the same as the odds of me winning the lottery. I was never going to win the lottery and figured I'd likely never see the man. Why would he come here? I'm not that special. Yes, I know my assessment of the situation was flawed. I failed to take into account that there were an unknown number of men hunting us down and that we didn't know how they were finding us. I learned I wasn't good at figuring out odds when I won the Man in Black lottery later that afternoon. The morning of that day was fairly uneventful. Nothing had come through the wormhole and I didn't have any classes. For the first time, since it appeared in my arm, everything felt normal. It was such a mundane morning that I was lulled into a false sense of security as I got ready for work that afternoon. As I was about to open my front door and head off to work, I got this strange feeling of vertigo. I felt like I was everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Yeah, I know that's vague, but that's the only way I can describe it. It only lasted a few seconds, but it troubled me enough to make me stop and lean my hand against the door. I could see a giant rubber band wrapped around my outstretched arm and wondered if the wormhole might be causing the dizzying sensation. Weren't things like that supposed to emit radiation or some other type of dangerous substance? No sense worrying about it now, I thought as I grabbed the knob and opened the door. I'm sure the look I gave when I noticed the man standing on the other side of my door was meme-worthy. I bet yours would have been too if you opened your door and came face to face with the man in black. Colin was right when he implied the man in black wasn't human. He was pale to the point of being white. He wore a hat to cover his obviously bald head. His expressionless face was completely hairless and looked too perfect, like it had been manufactured. Even the material of his suit seemed otherworldly. The worst part was his eyes. They looked artificial, like the eyes you'd expect to find on a doll. I noticed all of that in the second it took to slam the door and lock it. I wish I'd been able to afford a gun. I wouldn't have had any problem shooting that creepy fucker. I ran out of the back door onto my balcony. I then climbed over the railing and lowered myself down until I could drop to the ground. Thankfully, I was dressed for work, so I had my keys in my pocket. I ran over to my car, got in, and drove off. When I looked in the rearview mirror, I saw the man in black standing on the curb, watching me as I drove off. As I watched him disappear from view, I started to wonder if that strange sensation I experienced had anything to do with his appearance. I needed to send a message to the other columns as soon as possible, in case that is what happened. Having some kind of warning, even if it only gave us seconds to react, was better than none at all. I drove about an hour outside of town and stopped at a truck stop. I figured that should be far enough away to gather my thoughts. I quickly sent a message telling the other Collins about what I felt right before what I saw with the black man. Then I called work and told them I wasn't feeling well and needed to take the night off. I did all of this while I ate dinner at the diner that was part of the truck stop. After weighing all my options, I decided to head to my parents' house and see if I could lay low there 
and figure out what to do next. As I pulled out of the parking lot and headed back toward the interstate, I saw the man in black as he casually walked down the side of the road. I don't think he noticed me as he continued on his way toward the truck stop. Apparently, he could track me. There wasn't any other explanation for how he found me so quickly. I would have to let the Collins know about that. Since I could be tracked, that meant I couldn't go to my parents' house. I didn't want to put them in danger. My only option was to keep driving until I figured something out. That was eventually going to be a problem considering how broke I was. I doubt anyone else would let me crash on their coach while I fled a killer. This is one of those times I wish I had a crazy friend who collected weapons like the apocalypse was coming. I could use a small arsenal right now. Part 4 Things went from bad to worse a week after I fled the man in black. While I was on the run, more and more reports of the strange men started to pop through the wormhole. Thankfully, some of the Collins had sent through accounts how they managed to kill the one stalking them. Apparently, I'm a bit of a badass in some dimensions. However, I was not a badass in my dimension, so it wasn't going to be an easy task for me. The men in black could not be stopped by simple means, and by that I mean guns and knives. You couldn't shoot them in the head or stab them in the heart and expect them to fall. Their bodies didn't function the way ours did. Injuries that would kill us didn't phase them. The only way to stop them was to dismember them or burn them. That was a prospect I was not looking forward to. I fear that more than one Colin may have fallen victim to the men in black. A few days earlier, a plume of dark smoke started to pour out of the wormhole. The smoke was so thick I had to pull over and wait for it to stop and clear out of my car. Normally, the smell of cooked meat would make my mouth water, but when it accompanied the smoke, it made me queasy. My car still reeks like a steakhouse and not in a good way. I started to drive with the windows down after that. The smoke wasn't as bad as what came through the wormhole the next night. It happened while I was driving. I had one arm on the steering wheel and the other on the gear shift when my arm started to feel wet. I assumed it was just water. When I glanced down and saw what it really was, I slammed on the brakes and almost got rear-ended by the driver behind me. It wasn't water that I saw. It was blood. There was enough coming through that it started to seep out from under the thick rubber strap that covered the hole. I recovered my wits and drove to the next exit and pulled into a fast food restaurant. I ran into the bathroom and pulled the band off my arm. There was so much blood coming out, you would have thought I punctured an artery. I held my arm under the water until the flow of blood slowed, then stopped altogether. I grabbed a paper towel to dry my arm, but stopped as something else started to come through the wormhole. I couldn't identify it at first, but once enough of it had squirted out, I recognized it for the meaty flesh it was. I immediately started to gag. I was able to keep myself from throwing up until the pieces of bone and bits of hair started to come through. I barely made it to the toilet before I hurled my guts out. I didn't care that I was hugging the bowl of a public toilet, Pieces of what I assumed were another Colin 
just came through the wormhole like ground beef from a grind. That was far worse than anything else that could be on that toilet. Just thinking about it as I write this is making me nauseous. I sat and hugged the bowl for an eternity. I know I pissed off at least one customer who wanted to use the toilet, but I wasn't going to get up until I was good and ready to. After I cleaned the vomit out of my nose and off my chin, I went about the task of cleaning up the pieces of colon that had come through. Most of them were on the floor next to the toilet. They continued to ooze through as I puked up everything I had eaten that day. I managed to clean it all up without throwing up, but only through sheer force of will. As I walked out of the bathroom, I decided someone was going to pay for that. And I bet you can guess who I had in mind. I sat in my car and took stock of everything I had with me that I could use as a weapon. I had my pocket knife, but the other Collins said that that was an ineffective weapon. I had my car. I could use it to run the bastard over. I had my lighter, which I could use to set him on fire, if I had an accelerant. I also had a tire iron in the trunk, but that had the same problem as the knife. It couldn't do damage fast enough. To make matters worse, I only had a quarter of a tank of gas left, and was down to my last five dollars. Even if I hadn't decided to confront the man in black, I would have been forced to face him sooner rather than later anyway. Frustrated that I couldn't think of what to do, I got back on the interstate and drove. I got about five miles down the road before my car started pulling to the left. I didn't know how far it was to the next exit, so I just pulled over onto the shoulder and got out to check what was wrong. Fuck me. I thought as I noticed my front tire was flat and I didn't have a spare. I looked up at the road, then back the way I'd come. I could walk forward and hope there was an exit, or I could walk back to the exit I just left. It was a tough call, so I just flipped a coin. Heads I go forward, tails I go back. It landed on tails. I popped the trunk and grabbed the tire iron. I wanted to be at least able to defend myself. As I grabbed the tire iron, I looked over at the band around my forearm. Nothing had come through since the bathroom incident. That seemed ominous, and it got me thinking about some of the messages that had arrived earlier in the week. When news spread about the men in black, all of the Collins were sending out their theories about who they were and what they wanted. Most of them were ridiculous but there were two that stuck out as possible to me. The first one proposed that the men in black were some type of entity whose function is to maintain the balance of order and chaos in the universe. When the wormhole that bound the columns together was created, it likely tipped the universe balance toward chaos. In order to restore balance, we must be eliminated. The second theory proposed that the wormhole was not an accident, but was instead a deliberate act designed to tether all of the columns together. It would make us easier to track through dimensional space, and therefore easier to kill. Now the big question here is why? None of the columns had a good answer to this question, except something wanted to erase us from the multiverse. Both theories had one thing in common. The men in black wanted us dead. They meant they probably weren't going to stop trying to kill us. In other words, if I kill the one stalking me now, 
There's a good chance another one will show up and take his place. Our only hope was if the column that created the wormhole was able to close it. I mulled over all of these thoughts in my head as I walked back to the exit. I must have walked about two miles before I saw the silhouette of the man in black in the distance walking towards me. I guess it's my time. I thought to myself as I tightened my grip on the tire iron. The stretch of interstate I was on was dead. I hadn't seen another car in over 30 minutes, so I didn't expect anyone to stop and help me. Even if they did, they'd probably try to help the man in black first, since he was dressed in a suit and looked like a respectable businessman. At least from a distance he did. I was wearing jeans and a t-shirt that hadn't been washed in a week. When he was about a hundred yards away, I stopped and waited for him to close the distance. As I stood there, I noticed a large chunk of asphalt sitting on the ground. I picked it up and weighed it with my hand. When he came within throwing distance, I chucked it at him. I hit him on the shoulder. He kept walking. He stopped when he got about six feet away from me. Then he reached into the pocket of his jacket and pulled out a strange-looking device. I held the tire iron up ready to swing it the moment he made his move. He took one step towards me. I fidgeted and raised the tire iron a little higher. He flipped open the device. It looked like some sort of metallic cuff. He took another step towards me. He was now within striking distance. He didn't seem concerned by my threatening posture. I swung the tire iron and struck him on the side of the head. All it did was knock his hat off and make him turn his head to the side. He then reached out with his free hand and grabbed me by the throat and lifted me off the ground. I dropped the tire iron and tried to pry his fingers loose as I started to choke. His grip was like a vice. This entire time, the man in black didn't make a sound or show any expression. I don't think he even blinked. I flailed around as he tried to place the metallic device on the arm with the wormhole. I was starting to lose consciousness, and with it, the strength to fight. In desperation, I reached into my pocket and pulled out my pocket knife. I flipped the blade open right as he snapped the thing onto my arm. I lashed out with the knife and felt the blade pierce the device, then sink into my arm. There was a flash of light and that weird sensation of being everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And then I lost consciousness. Part 5 When I came to, I was lying on a carpeted floor. My head was pounding. I tried to open my eyes, but the room was too bright. All I could do was squint. I stayed on the floor until my vision grew accustomed to the light. Then I sat up and leaned my back against the bed that was next to me. I was in a large, spacious bedroom filled with a bunch of futuristic-looking furniture and electronics. Even the lamps and the nightstands looked like they belonged on a moon base. Everything looked polished and shiny. The coolest thing in the room was the large, flat screen that sat on top of the dresser. I later discovered it was a television, which was a shock, considering the TVs in my dimension were huge boxes that sat on the floor. I had to adjust 
the way I sat on the floor because something in my back pocket was pressing uncomfortably into my butt cheek. I reached back and pulled out a small rectangular electronic device. When I held it up, the screen lit up showing several small icons arranged in rows. I didn't know what half of them referred to, but I could easily tell it was a communications device of some sort. That's when I happened to look down and noticed I was wearing different clothes. When I struggled with the man in black, I was wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Now I was wearing black slacks and a long sleeve gray polo shirt. They looked expensive. Actually, everything in the bedroom looked like luxury items that probably cost way more than I made in a year. I stood on shaky legs and went to find the bathroom. I had to take it slow to keep the pounding in my head to a minimum. The first door I tried was the closet. The second door opened to a hallway. I walked down the hall until I found the bathroom. As I stood before the mirror, I stared in shock at my reflection. I looked different. I still looked like me, but my hair was much shorter and styled differently, and I was clean-shaven. When I was on the run, I had several days into starting a beard and was in need of a haircut. Colin. I jumped up when I heard the familiar sound. I walked out of the bathroom and toward the front of what appeared to be an apartment. As I stepped out into the hall, I heard my name being called again. It sounded like it uh, had come from the kitchen. I walked around the corner and uh, through the archway that led me into the kitchen. The first thing I noticed was a large glass jar sitting on the counter. In the jar, there was a large stick, a cookie, and a Colin roach. As I approached the jar, the roach climbed up the stick, fluttered its wing, and said, Colin. Everything I experienced since I woke up had a dreamlike quality to it. I started to wonder if the man in black had killed me and this was my afterlife or if this was some dream I was stuck in when I fell unconscious. I soon discovered it was much worse than either of those. My mouth was incredibly dry, so I walked over to the refrigerator to see if I could find myself something to drink. When I opened the door, I didn't recognize a single product on any of the shelves. I grabbed a can of something called Coca-Cola and popped open the tab. I was happy to discover that it was a carbonated drink and gulped down two of them in rapid succession. When I drank the soda, I peered around the room. I noticed a stack of magazines and went over and picked one up. I didn't recognize the title or the celebrity pictured on the cover. When I saw the date, I started to piece together what I thought had happened. It looked different. I was surrounded by futuristic technology. I didn't recognize any of the products in the fridge. There was a Colin roach in a jar on the counter, and the date on the magazine was almost 50 years in my future. Since I knew multiple versions of me existed, the only explanation I could come up with was that I had switched places with a Colin from another dimension. When I plunged my knife into the device, it must have malfunctioned and swapped my consciousness, or soul, or whatever you want to call it, with the Colin of this dimension. I could only imagine what horrible end the other Colin met at the hands of the man in black. 
As I walked out of the kitchen, I accidentally banged my arm against the back of one of the dining room chairs. When my arm hit the wood, there was a loud thud. When I first awoke on the floor, I thought the pressure around my forearm was the rubber strap I used to cover the wormhole. It shouldn't have made a thud like that. I stopped and slowly rolled up the sleeve of my shirt to reveal a metallic device clamped to my forearm. There was an opening in the device around the area where the wormhole was. It looked very similar to the one the man in black placed on me before I passed out, but this one seemed to have been extensively modified. I considered taking the device off, but decided it wouldn't be a good idea. I didn't know what would happen. It could be the only thing that kept me tethered to this Colin's body. If I took it off, uh, I might be sent back to my dimension. If that happened, I might be returning to a dead body. The Colin that swapped with me might have already died with my body. So that meant two of us would die if I took the device off. Plus, I was almost positive, as I saw what was arranged on the dining room table, that I had become the Colin that created the wormhole. On the table were several tools and electronic components, along with several message tubes. Also on the table was the first note I received through the wormhole, the one I signed my name to. As I looked at the list of names... I noticed several of them had been crossed off. I don't think this Colin just wanted to say hi when he sent this note through. I think he wanted to see just how extensive the Colin network was. I think he also wanted to keep us from looking for help by acting like he was the one that was going to fix this. I think this device was stolen and modified. Colin somehow figured out how to modify and use it, probably with help, since the original note said we, not I. But why? Why would he go through all of this trouble to connect us? Obviously, the men in black were not happy about it. The Colin from this dimension was the one they were looking for. They were willing to kill all of us to get to him, and he knew this. I guess you really couldn't trust yourself. I sat down at the table to think... I could potentially close the wormhole at the cost of my own life. Couldn't do that. I'd like for everyone to think of me as a hero, but I didn't want to die. Plus, there was no guarantee that the other Colin wouldn't return to his body and continue what he was doing. I needed to learn more about this device and see if I could use it to fix the damage that had been done. I've spent the past week hiding in this apartment as I figured out how to use Colin's television, phone, and computer. I hoped I'd be able to find out more information about what he was up to, but I couldn't find anything useful. And that's why I posted my story. I need help. I think someone out there helped Colin. I need to find that person. If you know Colin, or you are the person that helped him, please contact me. We need to stop whatever it is that he started. What was he doing that was so important to him that he was willing to risk all of us to accomplish? This will be my last update for the foreseeable future. I've told you everything I know. I've sent copies of this story through the wormhole so that Colin Collective knows the truth. If anything else develops, you'll be the first to know.
Thanks again to today's sponsors, Simply Safe and Care of, for their support of this show. Don't forget, as a listener, you can get 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Go to takecareof.com and enter TOLD. That's takecareof.com with the promo code TOLD, spelled T-O-L-D, to get 25% off your first month with Care Of. Thanks for joining me tonight for Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you like what you heard and would like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's episode, which includes two more terrifying tales, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, where you can sign up for a season pass and get access to all 24 ad-free extended episodes from this season, or sign up as a patron for just $5 per month and get access to not just my show, but our network's audio archive of hundreds of previous releases, including premium versions of our other shows, such as the Simply Scary Podcast and Horror Hill. Not only that, but you'll be lending your support to this very program and help me continue bringing nightmares to life each and every week. Thank you very much for your support. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep, if you can. (laughs) Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted, and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors, Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Jiry channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name, And you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, Do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday.
And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.